What's up? Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes these words. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You don't even need the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the ability to come into this place to to worship you, to sing to you, to thank you for pouring out so many blessings on us. And God, I pray this morning as we open your word, as we talk about your fruit, God, I I pray that we will open our hearts and our minds, God. I I pray that your word will find fertile soil. Uh, God, I pray that you'll enable me to God, to share your truth in the exact way that you wanted to. God, I pray that I will preach to an audience of one. I pray that those in the body will will listen to an audience of one. And I pray that just as your word is alive and active, God, I pray that we will be alive and active as we engage it so that we may be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Question, did you have any chores growing up that you really hated? Now, when I was a kid, there was a chore that my parents gave me every spring and summer that I hated, pulling up weeds. Anybody out there like to pull weeds, all right? And listen, I know why my parents made me do it, because they didn't want to do it, right? But fortunately, over the years, things have come full circle. Now I get to delegate that responsibility to my kids, and I'm sure they enjoy it as much as I did. I got to tell you, being a parent is so awesome. You know, and I got to tell you, young people, you know, you're going to say things you think you're never going to say. You know that because I said so, you're going to say that. And when you say it, it's going to feel so good just to say it. Why can't I do that? Because I said so. Because I said so. And it feels so good just to say because I said so. All right. It's awesome being a parent. And no, I don't think anybody enjoys pulling weeds, but everyone still wants to have a beautiful garden. And listen, I think that is true spiritually as well. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about growing a spiritual garden, and and he lists for us the fruit of the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, I really think that everybody wants those things. I mean, 
Does anybody out there not want those things in their lives and not want those nine qualities in their relationships? Of course we want those things. I mean, that's some awesome fruit. Uh, But in Galatians chapter 5, before Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he he gives us another list. Now, now this list doesn't get as much press or airtime, and and you're probably not going to find this list on a T-shirt, a bumper sticker, or on a coffee mug. You see, it's a much different list. And in it, Paul talks about such things as such immorality, jealousy, idolatry, selfishness, drunkenness, hatred, and anger. And he calls them the acts of the sinful nature. And Paul says that the sinful nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit. And Paul's point is this. You can't grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life until you pull up the weeds of the sinful nature. You can't grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life until you pull up the weeds of the sinful nature. Get it? Good. Hey, tell the person to your right and to your left, you got to pull them weeds. You know, why is it always so much fun to tell people what to do? And, and, and now, now, whenever we, we pull up weeds in our yards, our flower beds, or our gardens, we have a tendency to just want to get it over with as fast as we can. So we, we skim the surface as we work, walk through the garden, only pulling up what is quick and what is easy without digging down deep and pulling up the weeds by the roots, right? What, what is fast and easy. And sure, we get done quick, but the problem is that, that some weeds, like dandelions, can have roots that are more than eight inches deep. And I think most of us have discovered that if we don't pull it out by its roots in only a matter of time, the weed's going to come back, sending either you or hopefully your children out into the dirt in frustration. And, you know, I think we tend to approach our sinful nature the same way. We treat it as nothing deeper than a behavior modification. Uh, We try to change some things on the surface, things that other people might notice about us, but we don't take the time to dig down deep and pull out that sin by its roots. And yet we wonder why the weeds, why those sins, why those issues keep coming back over growing our lives year after year after year. Now, another critical thing in pulling weeds is in our yards and gardens is knowing what a weed looks like, because some of those suckers are pretty good at disguises. For example, as a kid, I really like dandelions, you know? Now, now how could something that looks that good on the surface be a weed, right? I mean, how could something that feels so wrong, I mean, feels so good, actually be wrong? Um, Did anybody else think dandelions were pretty grown up? Did anybody else do that thing you did with dandelions where you, you know, you take that yellow one and go, my mommy had a baby and and its head popped off. Anybody do that? Like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Confession time, right? Anybody do that? We did that, right? My mom had a baby, and you would pop that sucker off. And I, I never knew, what, was it, yeah, I tried to Google, was it the mama's head that popped off or the baby's head? There's a great debate raging right now over that issue. I, I don't know the answer. You know, and, and I'm sure you probably did this as well, right? You, you blown in mate wishes, right? And you blown those seeds. And if you were wishing for more dandelions, you got your wish, right? But listen, here's the problem. Sure, we can call a weed a flower, but it's still a weed. And if left unchecked and unrooted, 
that weed will spread and grow, taking over your entire garden, killing the very fruit that you're trying to grow. Get it? Uh, Again, good. (laughs) I almost missed the good. It's good that I got the good. And again, I'm confident that most of us in this room, we want love, we want joy, we want patience and peace in our lives. However, the question is, are we willing to do the hard, dirty, and not all that pleasant work of pulling up the weeds? Uh, This morning, we're kicking off our our new nine-week series called It's Time to Grow. And and today, I want to invite you to join me down in the dirt as we begin the process of pulling up the weeds of the sinful nature so that the Spirit of God can grow His fruit in our lives more abundantly. Okay, imagine that your backyard is full of weeds. For some of us, that's not much of a stretch. Mine right now is full of leaves, right? Probably weeds under the leaves. But for quite some time, you've had this great plan for planting a garden. I mean, you even have pictures in your mind of what it would look like with tomatoes and cucumbers and strawberries just popping up all over the place. You've had those images in your mind for years, and then one day you decide, this year it's going to happen. Yes, this year I'm going to do something with that garden. And so you go to the store and you come back, and you're so excited to get this thing going, to see that fruit and those vegetables growing, that you just start planting seeds in the garden as is, weeds and all. And after a few weeks, you start, you start seeing some signs that, that your plants are growing, but not very quickly, and there certainly isn't any fruit. So you begin to wonder, what went wrong? And you start going through the list, okay? Was there something wrong with the seeds that I bought? No, the seeds were okay. Well, maybe I haven't, maybe I didn't water it enough. No, you, you watered it just fine, and, and the sun was shining, so the problem's not the sun. So what's the problem? The problem is you planted the seeds without first preparing the ground. You planted seeds for fruit and vegetables in a garden full of weeds. Listen, I think that is what has happened to many of us in our spiritual lives. I, I mean, we, we look at our lives, and we don't necessarily like what we see, and we, we see something that's a mess. We, we, we see an area where we like to do some things differently. We, and we have, we have good plans. We have good intentions. We, we mean well. And we even ask God, God, would you help me? We say this year, we say 2015, it's going to be different. This year, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm, I'm going to have more peace. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more kind. And I'm going to be more under control. I'm not going to give in the lust and the outbursts of anger like I've always done. And again, we mean it. We really mean it. We're sincere. But the weeks come and go, and there isn't any significant or long-term change. And before long, we find ourselves back in the same old place doing the same old things. Question, what is the problem? Well, the problem is, for many of us, we've tried to plant seeds for fruit in a garden that is overgrown with weeds. Weeds that are choking out the very fruit that we say we want to see. Uh, Understand, the issue, this need to first pull the weeds before you plant the garden is why in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul's like, hey, I know you guys want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. He goes, I I know that stuff is fun, and and I know that's what you want to see. But before I can talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit, I, I need to give you some gardening tips about you need to pull up the weeds of the sinful nature first. Why? Because the sinful nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit. And that's what Paul said in verse 17 that we read. 
And you see, that's where Paul explains the reason why we're not the people we want to be. Paul says, here is why you do the things you don't want to do, and here is why you don't do the things that you do want to do. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Understand the reason why you're not loving the way you want to be loving or, or, or you're not at peace the way you want to be at peace or under control as you want to be under control is because within our garden where the fruit is trying to grow are these weeds that are choking out that growth. And, and yeah, I know that this is a simple truth, right? This is common sense. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take a PhD to know that you got to pull the weeds before you plant the garden. And I don't think anybody's shocked by that statement. Like, wow, you ought to go on TV and do a garden show, Steve. That's amazing, right? I mean, nobody is impressed by my intellect to make that statement. Yet this simple truth, church, is far too often overlooked, ignored, and missed. Let me give you an example of what what this looks like. Let's say in a few weeks when we're talking about the fruit of joy. And you're like, you know, that's how I want to be known. I want to be a joyful person. I, I want my kids to think of me that way. I, I want my friends to think of me that way. I want them to think I'm a joyful person, but right now that's, that's not the reputation that I have. Instead, most people think of me as kind of negative and critical and cynical and always a little bit down, but that's not who I want to be. I, I want to be joyful. I, I want that fruit to grow in my life. And listen, it's a good thing to want to plant the fruit of joy. What about the weeds? I mean, there has to be some, right? If the fruit of joy is not there, there has to be some weeds. Again, what are the weeds that are holding back and choking that joy? Because my guess is that you prayed before about wanting to be a more joyful person. You've asked God to help you, and it just hasn't happened. Was it possible that there is a weed in the way? Maybe... Maybe while you're asking God to grow the fruit of, of, of joy, you've been watering the weed of bitterness that you've allowed to grow and grow and grow. And like a dandelion, it is, it is nearly taking over your entire garden as you hold on to some bitterness from the past. Maybe it's bitterness towards your parents for the home you, you grew up in, or maybe bitterness towards an ex-spouse or towards a friend, a co-worker, or, or someone at church, a pastor or leader. And this bitterness of how you've been dealt the wrong deal or how you've been treated wrongly has become a weed that is literally defining your life and is choking out the joy that you're praying for. I mean, is it possible that in the same garden where you're asking God, God, give me, I want to have the fruit of joy, you are watering the weed of bitterness. Or maybe you've allowed the the weed of jealousy to consume you. And instead of being thankful for your blessings, are you doing your two-a-days, uh, two things every day, two new things every day that you're thankful for, your two-a-days? It's not too late. It's like only day 18 of this new year. But, but, but rather than thanking God, you're, you're comparing yourself to other people, and you're comparing what they have and what you have, and, and they have something that you want, and you don't have it, and, and because you don't have what you want, and they have what you want, you're allowing this jealousy and envy to choke out joy. Yes, I know it's crazy, but... We keep allowing these weeds of the sinful nature to grow in the garden where we're trying to find the fruit of the Spirit. 
And the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't grow, and we wonder. What's wrong? Well, why isn't this fruit growing? I've been asking God for help all these years. And it's because we've not gotten down in the dirt and done the hard work of repenting and surrendering and confessing our sins and pulling out the weeds of the sinful nature up by its root. I understand it is more than counterproductive to go into a garden overgrown with weeds and just start slinging seeds. So here's a question for you, and here's a question for me, and it's, it's not a rhetorical question. It's one I think we all need to answer our own hearts and minds. What are the weeds of the sinful nature that need to be uprooted so the Spirit can grow His fruit in our lives? Take a second to really think about that. What are the weeds that you need to pull up so that God can produce His fruit in your life more abundantly. What do you need to pull up? Got any weeds? Now the chances are that, that your weed or weeds may have wound up on Paul's list in verses 19 through 21. It's not a comprehensive list, but he does give us what he calls the acts of the sinful nature. Paul says, Hey, here are some of the weeds that you as my followers tend to water all the while while you're asking me to grow fruit. And he begins this way. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery. Now, the first three deal with the, probably the most deadly and most common weed out there, right? They deal with sexual sin. And he uses three terms there. Uh, the first term deals with uh, Sex outside of marriage. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's God's bottom line. I don't care what your bottom line is. Here's God's bottom line. Any sex between, that's not between a husband and a wife is sin, period, end of story. You know, any sex that's not between a husband and a wife, it, it, it's just sin. It's sexual morality. But the second word he uses that's translated impurity is what happens in our mind. It's, it's the lust. It, it doesn't always have to involve another person. It's not always a physical act, but it's the thoughts that we think. It's impurity. And the third word that the NFA translates as debauchery is a word that captures the idea, it captures the idea of living for sexual pleasure. I mean, uh, that's, 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 why, that's why you wake up. It's what you think about during the day. It's what you think about when you go to bed, when you wake up. I mean, your motto is, if it feels good, I'm going to do it. It's life without any sexual restraints. Now, you're going to notice, you may have noticed, that what Paul defines as a deadly weed, our culture tends to define as what? A colorful flower. And Paul says this. He says, hey, hey, these are weeds, and you need to pull these things up. However, everywhere we look in our culture, there are these pictures of gardens overgrown with sexual immorality, impurity, uh, unrestrained sexual pleasure, and the not-so-subtle message is, hey, this is the stuff you want in your garden. They're not weeds, they're pretty flowers. This is what you should be growing. Sexual morality, it's not a, it's not a weed, it's a flower. That, that's a lie of the enemy, it's a weed. Listen, that's why Paul warns us up front. Hey, hey this pulling the weed thing, it's going to go... It's going to be contrary to the message you hear everywhere else. Nevertheless, it's something you need to deal with because 
This is the sinful nature. And it will kill the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Then he goes on to list uh, other sins. Begin in verse 20. Uh, idolatry and witchcraft. And idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone other than God. And then, now, you might not have a, a graven image that you bow down to in your backyard, but you may have one parked in your driveway. Uh, you may have one sitting in your investment portfolio. Or you may have one where you go to 40 plus hours a week, your career. You see, here's the deal. If it's why we're living, if it's what gets us up in the morning, if it's the purpose of our lives, it's an idol, it replaces God. And Paul says it's a weed and you need to pull it up. Then he goes on to talk about hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions. And we'll talk a little bit more about about these when we go through the various fruits of the Spirit. But these, all, these here all relate to how we treat people, how we get along, how we respond to people when they hurt us. Ever been hurt? How, do, how we respond when we, when we don't get our way. And then Paul ends the list this way. He says, then there's this, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and I love these last words, and the like. Because he knows us, right? You're like, awesome! My weed's not on there. Cool. I'm good. I'm good to go. He left it off. Paul goes, yeah, that's on there too. <laughs> Yeah, that weed, yeah, that's on there too. That's on there too. That stuff too. Stuff just like that. And, and did you notice that Paul intentionally intertwines acts of the sinful nature uh, that are considered more serious by believers with acts of the sinful nature that are considered more acceptable? And I think the reason Paul does that is because there's this tendency for us to look at our gardens and say, hey, you know, Hey, at least I don't have those nasty weeds of sexual morality. I don't got those other nasty weeds in my garden. Yet we overlook the weeds of jealousy and anger and selfishness and pride. So Paul's like this. A weed is a weed is a weed is a weed. And those minor weeds, at least the ones that are minor to you, they're not minor to God. Those minor weeds that you think are no big deal, are just as deadly to the fruit of the Spirit than the big weeds are. Get it? Good. And then Paul says, you know, there's, there's passages of the Bible I wish weren't there that like, kind of make me unsettled. This is a very unsettling one. And Paul says this. It's got to be true. It's in the Bible, right? He says, look, those who live, like, those who live this way, you know, those who are content to, to look over in their garden and see all these weeds, say, hey, I'm not even going to bother I'm not going to bother getting those weeds. It's no big deal. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to keep those weeds. I'm going to keep being angry. I'm not going to care about my sexuality. I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to have selfish ambition. That's no big deal. I'm going to worship things other than God. No big deal. Let me tell you again, as I told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if that doesn't make you uncomfortable about your weeds, your weeds are whacked. No. <laughs> Maple Grove, if you want to plant a garden, if we want to plant a garden, we got to first pull the weeds. Amen? And now I need you to really listen up because when it comes to pulling weeds of the sinful nature, there's important truth that we best not miss. Understand, whether, whether, you, are, whether you are growing the fruit of the Spirit or pulling the weeds of the sinful nature, 
It is all done by what? It's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Weed pulling, fruit growing, all by the same power. Like God told, told the prophet Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. But unfortunately, many people do miss this. And I might add, with help from churches and religionists. And the, real, the result is, believers think that, that maybe you think that way, that, that, that it all rests on you. That, that, that you need to pull the weeds. You need to pull the weeds. You need to grow the fruit. You need to grow the fruit. You need to grow the fruit. You need to not do that, not do that, not do that. You need to do that, do that, do that, do that. On your own power, on your own strength. And the result is people feel guilty because they're trying really hard not to do those things. And you're trying really hard to do the right things. I, I mean, you're doing the best that you can to pull up the weeds of the sinful nature and grow the fruit of the Spirit, but in your own strength, you, you cannot pull fast enough and you cannot dig deep enough on your own. And here, here's what happens when people miss it and get the wrong message from churches and religionists. And they think that weed pulling and fruit growing is all on them. Eventually, they're overwhelmed by guilt. And they walk away. They give up on God. They give up on the church. Forget about it. Or, or you know what they do? They don't do that. They pretend. They fake it. And they pretend they got this beautiful garden. <laughs> when they know reality, it is nothing more than a mess of tangled weeds. Maple Grove today, January the 18th, 2015, God is saying to you and me, do not miss the fact, do not miss the truth that when it comes to weed pulling and fruit growing, it is all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me look at verse 16. That's where Paul makes this clear. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We live by the what? We live by the Spirit. I understand that there is... A, one of the most dangerous false teachings out there is that we become like Christ by our own human effort. That's just not true. Now, it's not, it's not a new false teaching. It was there when the church began. In fact, it's the whole, one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia because people were coming in, false teachers saying, yeah, we like Jesus. He's really cool, but you got to do some stuff on your own human effort in order to be right with God. Paul says, no, 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 no. Paul says, no, 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 no. Weed pulling and fruit growing is all by the Spirit. He says this in Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish? And maybe, maybe God brought you to relieve you of your foolishness today, thinking it's on you, and you're just, you're plumb wore out. I can't do it. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by what? By human effort. By human effort. Listen, weed pulling it's not about trying harder. It's about tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me give it you know, a, a kind of picture of kind of what that kind of looks like to me. You, you, you ever walk on one of those like moving sidewalks? They're like the coolest things in the world, right? You know, you know I, I mean, and just picture, you know, you, you have these bags and you're watching some guy and he's, he's got a ton of bags, right? He's just trying to do it. And you know, and he can't maneuver through the crowd to get on that sidewalk. And there you are, your bags. And you're watching this guy struggle just to keep up. And all, I mean, you can put your bags down. 
And, and you just take a, a small step and you're just blowing right past them. Yeah. To me, that's a picture of the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus where we're filled with his power. You see, he moves us, right? He, he, he's the one that strengthens us. Jesus is the one who carries bags that we were never intended to carry on our own. Jesus is the one that keeps us going in the right direction. So Paul says, listen, the way we live this life, the, the, the way we pull the weeds, the way we grow the fruit is by living by the power of the Holy Spirit. We live by the Spirit. Amen? But the question for us is, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds good, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing we do want to put on a T-shirt, right? Bumper sticker and a coffee mug. Live by the Spirit. Amen, preacher. Live by the Spirit. Amen. 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 Live by the Spirit. We get in the car, we go like, what the heck does that mean? I bought the T-shirt and the coffee mug and the bumper sticker. And the fuzzy dice has it on hanging in my rearview mirror, and I still don't understand it. What does it mean to live by the Spirit? And that's what I want to finish up our time this morning you know, talking about, and we'll be visiting it again and again in the series, but what does it mean to live by the power of the Spirit? Now, number one, living by the Spirit is a continual awareness and a, and a constant prayer. Verse 25, what I read earlier, Paul says this. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And, and, and when he says keep in step, it, this is a picture of taking a long walk with somebody where you're matching strides. You know, their right foot, your right foot. Their left foot, your left foot. Right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. And if you've ever tried to do that, You've ever tried to keep pace with somebody? Yeah, I was in the Navy. We did that in boot camp, not very well. And then we didn't do any marching at all in submarines, so I was never really that good at it. Um, but you know the important thing is you got to keep pace. If you're going to keep pace, you have to be constantly aware, right? you gotta, you got to be paying attention, right? you got to be aware of what's going on. you got to be focused. It requires focus to keep in step. And a guy named Bill Bright, he founded Campus Crusade for Christ, and, you know, he talks about this, this concept of spiritual breathing, this exercise he calls spiritual breathing. And, and the idea is, is that you know, we, we need to live moment by moment with an awareness of the Spirit until walking in the Spirit becomes a nat as natural as breathing. And, and listen, you know, that's not natural for us, right? I mean, what's, you know, what's natural for us is to be aware of the Spirit when you're in here, right? Hopefully, right? Maybe you're aware of the Spirit or when we're singing songs or when you're having your quiet time or, or, or when you're listening to praise music. But Paul says, no, 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 it's, it's got to be a moment. If you've got to keep pace with the Spirit, it, it's a moment-by-moment a moment thing. And, and, and he talks about this exercise called spiritual breathing. And, and here, here's how it works. And I really encourage you to try this during the next nine weeks. And he says, first, you know, the moment you become aware of a sin in your life, the moment you see a root begin to appear in the garden, you exhale. You physically exhale. You just breathe out. and you repent of that sin at the moment. I mean, the moment a lustful thought enters your mind, uh, the moment a spirit of selfishness or anger sets in, uh, the moment you start to lose self-control, the, uh, the moment that you find yourself being critical and negative instead of joyful, you, you exhale. You confess your sin. You agree what God's word says about it. 
You say, God, God, I confess my sin. God, I, I want what you want for my life. You exhale the moment it comes up. And then you inhale. And when you inhale, you, you are breathing in the grace of God. You, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are accepting his forgiveness. And you're, you're breathing in the promise that you really are filled with the Spirit. A Spirit who is actually empowering you to pull the weeds and to grow the fruit. So, so you, you, you breathe out the darkness and the sin. The moment it hits you, you breathe out the sinful nature, surrendering control of that area of your life to God, and then you breathe in the Spirit, consciously putting your faith in the promise that God said he will fill you with the Spirit. And, and again, it, 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 at first it's going to seem very awkward. It's going to seem forced. It's going to seem like work. But the more you do it, right, Moment by moment, because right, that's not how we are, right? Yeah, we don't live moment by moment, awareness of the Spirit. But the more you do it, man, you know, a weed pops up. You exhale and confess it and repent. You breathe in forgiveness, and, and you breathe in the reality uh, of God's Spirit. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes. Like, like I remember when I first you know, drove a car. You know, that wasn't really natural. You know? A guy picked me up um, at, at my school. And took me, we were right by Interstate 695 in Baltimore, and he took me right on the interstate. I was freaking out. Never drove a car before. It seemed like I was going like 3,000 miles an hour with signs flashing. Where's the exit? It was like, I couldn't, how do I do anything? And now I can tell you that I, I can actually drive without thinking today. <laughs> Whether that, oh, that's a good thing or not, right? You know, <laughs> probably not. But it's going to become more natural, right? A conscious awareness of the Spirit. Number two, um, um, living by the Spirit um, requires filtered thinking. Paul says there's, he says there's these two opposing forces fighting. And, and, and do you know where the battlefield is? It's in your head. Now tell the person, I know you've always wanted to say this to the person sitting next to you. Tell the person next to you, it's in your head. <laughs> it's in your head. It's in your head. It's in your mind. Paul words it this way. He, he, he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that pleases the Spirit. Now Paul says that, that what you think about is going to feed either the sinful nature or it's going to feed the Spirit. And listen, both the sinful nature and the Spirit have hearty appetites. And understand you know, what we allow into our minds, what we think about will feed either one or the other. A guy named Craig Massey put it this way. There are two natures that beat within my breast. One is foul, the other blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. Question, so what are you feeding your mind? I understand the music we listen to matters, the books we read matter, the magazines we subscribe to matter, the shows we watch, the people we follow on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram matter, the blogs we read matter, the conversations we have matter, the thoughts we think matter. And they will either feed the Spirit and water the weeds, they'll either feed the Spirit and grow the fruit or water the weeds and feed the sinful nature. Get it? Good. Again, so what are you feeding your minds on a daily basis? And you know, I think if we actually kept track of it, we'd be surprised what we're feeding, right? Have you ever counted calories, right? You know, 
And one thing about counting calories, it's amazing how quickly those suckers add up, right? Like everything counts. You know, that's, that small you know, M&M trial size that you stole from your coworker's desk, that counts. You know, the coffee that you had afternoon, that counts. You know, those three nuggets and french fries that your kids didn't eat from their Happy Meal, and you, I know you just wanted to be a good steward, right? I mean, you know, it should not be wasted, right? I mean, you can't waste food. They count too. You know, and, and, and so does that snacks you have at night. They count. They add on like crazy. You know, I, I count the calories and stop because I didn't want to count them because I didn't want to know. You know, it didn't, doesn't really help. Because when I first started counting them, I, I found out I, I, love, I love Dunkin' Donuts um, uh, chocolate frost donuts. 350 calories a donut. I could pack away five of those without blinking, man. I'm like, boom! You know how many calories that is? That's a lot of calories. That's like almost 1,800 calories and five donuts, right? Okay, they add up so quickly. You know, I, I just wonder that if we did the same thing, you know, if we did a, a mind calorie count, you know, what we would discover. Because it's so easy to say, yeah, okay, filter thinking, filter thinking. And it's easy to assume that we're, we're feeding the spirit more than we're feeding our sinful nature. But are we really? Yeah, maybe we should do that, right? Look back on the past week or during the upcoming week and, and think about what we're feeding our minds. Hey, what, what did I watch? What, what did I read? What, what, did, what did I listen to? What websites did I go on? What conversations did I have? What thoughts did I think? And I, I do want to encourage you that, that one way to have some good thoughts is, you know, we do this thing called Faith Comes From Hearing. We have a Bible reading program. You know, it just started last week, so you're not that far behind. And during this year, you know, we'll read through the entire New Testament. There's 260 chapters with some other great stuff thrown in in between. You can go to our website to find it. You can grab some in the foyer. But every day, you know, why don't you, like, feed your spirit some good things? And not, there's nothing better to feed your spirit uh, than the actual word that that spirit inspired. Amen? I mean, we're like this. We're like, God, I, I, I want this fruit, God. I want to be more joyful, more self-control, more patient, more faithful. And God is like, what have you been thinking? What have you been thinking? What have you been watering? What have you been feeding? Yeah, I know, one you love, one you hate, but the one you feed will dominate. And lastly, living by the Spirit is dying to yourself. Paul writes in, chapter, in verse 24 of what we read earlier, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires question. Have you ever wondered, if my sinful nature has been crucified, why do I still struggle so much with these weeds? Well, because crucifixion is a long and painful process. Amen? It's long and it's painful. Paul says it's, it's a daily thing. You know, Jesus said, we, we got to die to this thing daily. In Colossians 3, 5, Paul says this. He says, put to death what is ever of the sinful nature. I understand if we really want to deal with the weeds of our sinful nature, we just don't throw mulch on top of it, right? Well, I can't see it. It's all good. Now, guess what? It's going to break through that mulch, right? And we don't just say, well, you know what? Those weeds are in the back corner of the garden or in my backyard. No one's going to see those weeds. They don't see them now, but those weeds will eventually take over. You got to kill it. You got to kill it. See, you can't, we can't put makeup on our sinful nature and dress it up and make it look acceptable. Instead, we got to pull the weed out by its root. And listen, the more we die to ourselves, the more you die to yourself, the more room you make to be filled by the Spirit. 
Someone has said this. I like this. You see, the filling of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the believer gets more of the Holy Spirit, but rather the Holy Spirit gets more of the believer. Because sometimes we think we're ripped off, right? We're like, hey, how come, like, some people got, like, a NFL Pro Bowl Holy Spirit version, and I got some third-string JV Holy Spirit, right? You know, like, how come I got ripped off? No, we all got the same, right? We're just not all allowing him to move in our lives just as much, right? And Maple Grove, I pray that this is what will happen to me and to you and to our entire church run the series, that we will empty ourselves of ourselves, you know, that we'll, that we'll pray, Lord, empty me of me so that I can be filled more with you. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit will help us pull the weeds and help us grow the fruit. Maple Grove, it's time to grow. It's time to pull the weeds. But remember, please remember, you know, it's not on you. It's through him. It's not on your own strength. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not through you. It's because of what is in you. And as a Jesus follower, you have the spirit of the living God, the same God that rose Christ from the dead. You have that spirit living in you. It's not by your might. It's not by human effort. It's through the spirit. And as you begin to walk, you try, you breathe in and breathe out. You walk in an awareness and you, and you begin to, you, you begin to filter your thinking and to die to yourself. You'll be surprised. We'll be surprised what God will do in and through us during the next few weeks as we study this together. And, and I, I just got to share this because it's really important, you know, that since you can't do it on your own, you need the spirit. Like, how, how do we get that spirit? You know, we're like, when do I get in? And when does it happen? Well, you know, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a gospel for the very first time. You can go check it out this week. And, and, and he tells these people, hey, you know what? You, like, you kill God. And like, on lists of things not to do, killing God, you kill God's son. Like, that's like on the top. Don't kill God's son, right? You know, they should have taught you that in Sunday school. Do not kill God's son. And, and they did. And, and they're like, wow, we are really in trouble here. And they, they said to Peter, hey, how do we get out of this mess? What shall we do? You know what Peter told them? Repent and be baptized, you know, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and what else? And the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that, that's why when someone is baptized, and we had two people after service last week, you know, you know that's why we say, you know, bury with Christ and arise and live a new life. And what makes that new life possible is a new strength because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you'd like to talk to me more about, you know, your walk with Christ, feel free to do that as we stand and sing. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for your patience. And God, we thank you that it's not on us. Lord, that, that it's through you and through your power that we really can pull these weeds and we really can grow the fruit. And so, God, I pray as we sing, Lord, we'll celebrate your grace and your mercy. God, I pray for those in this room who, man, they're, they're, they're just wore out. They've been trying and trying and trying, thinking it was on them that they had to do it. 
They had to pull the weeds on their own strength. They had to grow the fruit. They had to get their act together without your help. And that's not your plan. That's why you place your spirit inside of us. God, help us to rest in that spirit, to grow in that spirit, uh, to be in step with that spirit, to live by that spirit. Help us, Lord, to no longer water the weeds, but to spend more time, Lord, uh, feeding the spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things, ask them to move, even as we sing just now. Amen.